Hello, my beautiful beings. Welcome to the podcast. You would not believe how many times I had to record this episode. Each time I felt like I sounded <laughs> dead or about to die because I I was so sick with the flu and I wanted to record despite of that, but I felt like it would it would distract it wouldn't um it did not sound good now my voice is a little bit better it was not uh, i don't know if i can say it, it was not conoroma it was just a normal flu but yeah anyway i have been reading this book it's called uh, bittersweet by susan kane and there's this chapter that i've been thinking about a lot at the beginning with the with the title of the book it did not sound very interesting to me i was not really compelled to read it but i i know susan kane from her first book and i know that she was such a good writer i loved her first book so i just wanted to to give it a try and just like a few pages in there is this chapter called how to deal with a lost love and it's about how to deal with heartbreak and not in terms of how we normally think about it when you think about heartbreak people usually think about either breakups or somebody dying or like a huge loss and those are losses and um causes for heartbreak but she she dives into the the complexity of losses and heartbreaks and the the people they turn us into and i found it to be fascinating and thought provoking i i just read it like very fast the first time and then i went to the next chapter and i i couldn't stop thinking about it so i went back and read it again and i was like wow okay so basically i wanted to tell you about that so she starts the chapter with her mom picking her up from kindergarten and she had this red hair that that was like a hello around her head and little susan looking up to her mom and thinking that she probably had the best mom in the world because she's always ready to to give her all the love she needs and unconditional attention and to discuss all the matters of school and kindergarten life and how that evolved as she grew older and as she grew older her mom wanted to cherish her with all the love that she's got even as she got older and how that looked like is a lot of what seemed like controlling because if you know like you if you want to shower somebody with all your love and keep you under your side and keep them safe by you know having them always on your arm then it's a lot easier when they're babies because young children and babies depend 100% on you but as they grow older especially in the teenage years children like to experiment 
and they they want to, they are more influenced by their peers they want to do the things that other people do and you know learn by themselves learn about the world and learn about themselves this kind of freaked out susan's mom to give like to give a little bit of a background on the mom they w- they were a jewish family and um susan's mom she grew up in a home where her mom was sick her entire life and i don't know if you can imagine that but that just is that makes a child very scared and full of shame it makes you wonder like what you could have done to 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 have that to because children usually take responsibility for anything that happens in their life when something bad happens it's because of them if the if the parents divorce they would wonder if it's if it's them and she wondered also as a kid if she had done something to make her mom so sick and that made her a lot anxious also as she grew older and it's not like she had one part of the the parents her dad very well and um caring because her dad had also lost his entire family to hitler and her entire life he was also drenched in sorrow and that had affected susan's mom a lot as she grew up and had her own child she wanted to to keep her safe because most of us don't deal with what happened in our childhood and how our childhood affected us so she just acted from her instinct and her instinct was to keep her safe by keeping her under eyesight and under control at all times but this had brought on a lot of conflict between susan and her mom there would be like she would do something that her friends would do and she would come home and her mom would lose it she she would cry they would fight and and then they, there would be days of silence and even if they they would make up after that susan kind of realized that either she is loved or she can be herself but not both and that kind of left an emotional pain in her and she would dream of the days that she would go to college and be free but her mom would still call her every day and she would complain about all the she would call her with accusations of what she might be doing wrong spending any unimproved time with boys or is she doing anything that is not allowed in an orthodox jewish family susan cannot help but notice the difference between her mom and her friends moms she realizes that the wonderful all loving mom of her childhood is gone and this was another another woman another mom and she says that it took her years of healing to to do without a mother emotionally to to heal from all the nervousness 
that has instilled upon her for her tendency to always automatically assume other people's opinion and for her for all her emotional distress she asks us also back what have you lost and what are you separated from and how has that affected you even if sometimes it is hard to notice how our separations and losses affect us and affect our psyche and the way we go about the world she asks us what are you separated from what or whom did you lose did the love of your life betray you did your parents fail to accept you for who you are were they cruel did they divorce when you were young do you miss your home country all those things are the kind of things that that are painful and might influence us sometimes it is even harder to spot where our heartache and fears and anxiety comes from or our need to control comes from there is the scene in i believe how to get away with murder and olivia from scandal asks what seems like a college class what is the biggest mistake people make when they are in a crisis who can tell me the biggest mistake people make in a crisis and some students try to answer failing to plan and somebody else says something she's like nope and annalise says not knowing they're in a crisis very good ms keating annalise keating not knowing they are in crisis and that is the way that i i think about this i mean it is kind of a crisis in our lives not to be able to live it purposefully and fully with the open heart the kinds of things that keep us from that are not in plain sight sometimes many of us think that our childhoods were normal or healthy because we don't see other families or we we our families or our childhoods are the only ones that we knew that we have experienced so it's very hard to to spot the kinds of things that we that might have expected that might have affected us taking susan's mom for example if you grow if you grew up in a home where your mom was always sick and your pair your dad was also always sad and that has you know affected you take taken some things away from you taking the the kind of happiness and freedom a child should have if it made you a very anxious person it is also very hard to to notice that that might have came from your childhood you might just think you're that you're that kind of person or you might not even notice because you don't know what other people's internal lives are like and that's the kind of self-understanding that comes from spending a lot of time alone and self-inspection everyone would experience some sort of loss at some point in their life if they have not already 
And if we do not deal with the loss in a healthy way and purposefully and honestly, if we hide it or if we try to escape over it, then we become the kind of people that that have anger all the time or try to control everything or have very big anxieties. And if we learn to, to deal with it, it is the source point of purpose and meaning and creativity and a life full of connections. So how? How do we deal with it? The first thing that she suggests in the book is acceptance. Everything you feel based on any situation, no matter how long ago it happened or when you realized it, is okay. And very unhelpful thoughts like, I should have gotten over it by now, or I shouldn't really feel like this, or I, I should like man up, you know, it does not matter. Or other people go through much worse stuff, so I shouldn't be feeling like this. Invalidating feelings are not very helpful. And whatever you need to do to deal with those feelings, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, is okay. You know, crying is a very good way of relieving emotions and anger, especially popular with women. I, I kind of sometimes feel sorry for people that have lost the, the ability to cry because for me, it's just like, a, you know, relieving in a way. And I know some people like to run or punch things or... Writing and being creative is a very good way also of expressions and validating one's feelings, even if you don't show it to anybody. Like journaling. Journaling is very healthy as well. And the second way to deal with it is the phrase wounded healer, as in those wounds, the, the places that we are hurt or feel pain, those are the points that we can use to heal others. Also, to hurt others, if we, especially if we don't notice them. It's the hurt people that go hurting people as well and if they don't deal with it. But that can also be a source place of healing many other people. If you had had a very tough childhood, you can use that to, to, as a source of purpose to kind of protect other children, other children's emotional health and childhoods. Many people that have went through very difficult experiences have used that to, to help people. And the third one is that maybe the love you lost is not lost. There is this saying by, by Dylan Thomas, though lovers are lost, love is not. That is, love is the kind of energy where even if you lose it at one point and, is, and it is very painful, you find it in another way. 
there is this story of Franz Kafka. He is one of uh, the most prominent writers who also grew up in a very difficult situation and used that to become a very successful writer. Sadly, only after his death. I talked about him a little bit in one of the episodes. I think it was called How to Hide Your Insanity. This is not a story by him. It is of him. It was found written in one of his last partner's journals. Towards the end of his life, he lived in Berlin. And one day he was in a park in Berlin with his partner And they were having a walk and they find this little girl crying and they ask her what's wrong. And she tells them that she lost her favorite doll and they decide to look to to help her look for it. And after hours of searching, they they tell her he tells the little girl to, to meet him there. And the next day he shows up and tells the little girl that he is actually uh, a doll post delivery man and he hands her a note and says this is from the doll and the note says please don't be sad I have went to explore the world I will write you of my adventures he then continues to send her notes from the doll the the doll is meeting new people she is traveling to different cities and visiting new places the doll is now going to school and he knows he cannot keep this up forever so one day he gets her another doll and he knows that this doll looks different so he gives her a note with it that said my travels have changed me and this becomes the doll that the the little girl treasures for the years and years to come and many many years later she founds a note in the door hidden in one of the the overlooked crannies and the note said everything you love you will eventually lose but love will return to you in a different form and i love this story because it shows us that everything we love right now will will be lost but the love will never be children will grow up our bodies change even the people the people we know either we will fall out of contact with them if they don't die they at least change even our relationships with our parents as we were a child is not the same when we are teenagers versus grown-ups the countries that we left when we were young they are not the same countries anymore things change and the people in them and the communities change and even if they don't we change we are different people when we go back again and this shows us not to not to hold on too tightly to how things are at the moment and instead to to enjoy it to appreciate the moment 
And I think that's why we love flowers because they are beautiful, and so we know that they're not gonna stay the same for more than a week and a half. And that's why we don't appreciate permanent things like artificial flowers the same way. I don't know about you guys, but I found that to be something that I really needed to hear, and it taught me to not to to hold on to things that tightly. I think in the past years, I've become a little bit resistant to change as a source of safety, but I don't think that kind of safety. Is what we should be chasing. I think my sick voice had had enough speaking for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. I don't know about next week. Sometimes it's difficult to to upload every week because、uh, with a full time work, I didn't want to rush on uploading, and instead focus on quality. And even if I want to think about a topic a little longer, I want I want to give myself that time. So definitely consistently, but maybe not every week. Again. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to to get your time and、um, 